Welcome to Talk Commerce, the podcast that explores the passion and drive behind entrepreneurial pursuits. I'm your host, Veronica Costello. Each week we'll have insightful conversations with small business owners and creative talent. Our guest this week is Kay Collier, an artist who brings the tradition of letter writing and wax seals into the 21st century. We'll learn about her journey merging history, art and entrepreneurship into a thriving business. Kay reminds us that meaningful human connection takes thoughtfulness and care. Her desire is to spread more beauty, community and warmth through the ancient art of letter writing. So join me as we unlock creativity, passion and purpose. The road to success is never linear. There's always room for imagination. But first, a word from our sponsor. Are you lost in the content creation chaos, struggling under the burden of high costs and complications? Does the thought of regular content posting make you break out in hives? We feel your pain, but don't despair. Your content hero has arrived. Introducing Content Basis, delivering unparalleled content creation and scheduling solutions crafted specifically for your audience and needs. Harnessing the power of AI, we efficiently deliver on-point content every time. Our US-based team meticulously reviews each piece, ensuring authenticity and precision. We value your unique voice and insights. You direct the final shape while we handle ideation to execution. With auto-scheduling, your content always finds its audience. And with bi-weekly check-ins, our strategies sync with your vision. At Content Basis, we're your dedicated ally in the content battlefield. From ideation to posting, we've got your content journey covered. Visit contentbasis.io and say goodbye to content chaos today. That's contentbasis.io. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, talk commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Kay Collier. Kay, um, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us your day-to-day role and one of your passions in life. Okay, great. I'm Kay Collier. Nice to meet everyone. I go by the artist name Catherine Hastings. I run a stationery and wax seal and letter writing business. And one of my big passions is letter writing. I love looking at historic letters and taking traditions... Uh, or things from the tradition of letter writing into the 21st century. Very passionate about how to bring that aspect of history into the modern day. That's great. Um, uh, I, I one, one of the things that I like to do, and, and I know I kind of sideswiped you with this in the very beginning, is I'm just going to tell you a joke. Okay. And uh, all I would like to do, before we get into content... I, I do like to talk about handwriting and and um, and those type of things. But before we get into content, I just like to tell you a joke, and all you have to do is say, "Can that joke be free, or do you think that, uh, or or do you think that somebody should pay for it, or in this case, can we put a wax seal around it, and, and not a toilet wax seal, 
Let's get that very straight. I'm very yeah. Sorry. Uh, I'll I'll be I'll I'll stay on track. I'm going to tell you a joke. You just say free or not free. <laughs> okay. Sounds right, good. Right, here we go. Um, my least favorite color is purple. I dislike it more than red and blue combined. <laughs> okay, I laughed. So I think. Yeah, I think you could pay for that if it were on like a really cheap subscription service. Like, yeah, if you had like a dollar a month and you got a joke every day, I think it would. Yeah, people would pay for that one. All right. Well, thank you. You know, my my. We'll give it the stamp of approval. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you. All right. So. In the ever-evolving retail landscape, one platform is changing the game, ushering in a retail renaissance that puts relationships at the forefront. Welcome to Endear. Endear is a CRM built for omni-channel brands, empowering them with the consumer data to deliver a personalized, efficient customer experience that drives sales and retention. Imagine a tool that intuitively understands your customers' needs, giving your brand a remarkable edge. Don't believe us? Geronimo from Rebag says, I've used every CRM from Salesforce down and Endear is the best one I've found for us. With Endear, your team isn't just selling products and crafting stories that resonate, nurturing connections that last. It's not just a CRM. It's a tool that empowers your sales associates to make personalized connections, bridging brands and customers like never before. Ready to redefine retail clienteling with a platform trusted by hundreds of omni-channel brands around the globe? Request your Endear demo today and enter a future of enriched connections and unparalleled customer loyalty. Uh, give us a little background about how you got into this and your passion. And I can see in the background, you've got some beautiful paintings on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about, uh, the seals and handwriting and, and how that's going to bring how, how you're bringing it into the 21st century. Of course. Well, I think for a lot of people, you find these threads of interest and you have them for many years and then all of a sudden something clicks. And for me, it's been a few different threads of different areas that finally came together. I've always been a letter writer. When I was about five years old, my grandmother taught me how to write cards and letters, and I just loved the joy of going to the mail and having something in the mailbox from her. For the time that we live in, I feel like there's a sense of the mail becoming kind of obsolete, and I see it is the other way around that now it's a space that's kind of free of bills and responsibilities and it's a place where we can just have excitement of things that are coming to us. So that's one thread. I wrote letters my whole life. I went to boarding school and college and through that period I was writing a fair amount of letters to friends and family. And then I studied art history and studio art. I love medieval and up to about I don't know, late 1800s um, art. So predominantly like Western um, European paintings and sculptures. And I did a tour when I was about 19 through Greece, Turkey, Italy, and Austria. I saw a lot of ancient sites and some of the best art museums. And so for that, for me, that really solidified this love of history and looking at history through historical objects and really understanding okay, how can we take this physical thing that exists for us now and use it to understand the context in which someone lived and also just to understand their humanity and really, you know, appreciating that 
the people who lived 100 years ago, 200 years ago, they're not that different from us. On that tour through Europe, I went to one of the oldest paperies in Europe. There's a debate. It's sometimes called the oldest, and sometimes there's another one that's called the oldest, but it's the Amatruda papery on the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Bought beautiful paper there, and I acquired my first wax seal. And then I also had a passion for antique collecting, and so those three interests of art history, letter writing, wax seals, antique collecting, they were all kind of separate. And then about 10 years ago, I just decided to see if there were antique seals. And to my surprise, there were. And I discovered just this amazingly rich history that I didn't know about. Wax seals have been around for thousands of years. And initially, they were used to seal important documents. So it was a security measure. You could see not only who sent it and verify the sender, but you could see if something had been tampered with. And then through time, these objects became even more artistic. They always were carved by talented artisans. In the 1800s, they got to be even more kind of sentimental and, and detailed with motifs of love and friendship. And that's really the period that I became drawn to. Um, and so I collected on my own, not knowing other collectors for a long time. And then in the pandemic, I decided I wanted to start sharing my collection of seals. So I launched Catherine Hastings and company selling not the um, original seal, so I don't sell the, the physical antique. I make seals by hand from the antiques that I mount with an adhesive and that I sell. And then, um, yeah, it led into me designing my own modern seals. I have about 60 different waxes, so it's become an entire world of stationery that's very much about connecting all those threads of writing letters, borrowing traditions from the past, um, and then using historic objects today. Uh, and I didn't realize it until relatively recently, but there wasn't anyone who was doing that. There were people collecting seals, but nobody was using them. They were just you know, kept in cases and drawers. And uh, my belief is that these objects are still meant to be used. And so I have a whole free course on using antique seals and caring for them and you know, to also do a lot of instruction about the seals. So it was a little bit long-winded, but it's a kind of complex story with all these different interests finally coming together into Catherine Hastings and company. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit in, in the green room about your journey, maybe as an artist, as an entrepreneur artist, kind of breaking into that. And did you, do you think there's a, a dichotomy at all as an artist and as an entrepreneur, or do you think that they kind of go hand in hand? I think they're different. And I think it's really important that if you are an artist or an entrepreneur artist, that you know what your focus mainly is, because there are situations where either the entrepreneur the decision will be made for the entrepreneur or the thing will the or decision will be made for an artist. That's not to say that an artist can't be wildly successful. It just means that the journey towards doing that looks different. And so yeah, I do think they can go hand in hand, but I think they have different mentalities. For me as an artist, my intention is to bring beauty into the world and have people feel a connection to historic figures, kind of obscure historic figures, people we can't even name or identify at this time, but also 
use that as a way to connect with the world at large and the people around us. And so as an artist, I have a very specific kind of um, niche focus on beauty and human connection. And then as an entrepreneur, I have an idea of building my, you know, stationery and wax seals and have people get to use these objects and have them become heirlooms that they pass down in their families. And so I see as an artist that kind of bigger vision, whereas an entrepreneur, I'm kind of always at serve in the service of being an artist. But I do think I could have a more kind of direct shot to like financial success or looking like a really successful entrepreneur if I were to sacrifice some of my artistic values, if that makes sense. So I think you can easily have both, but it's kind of a question of which one you most want to prioritize. Yeah, um, we'll come back to that one because I don't know if it has to be. a. It could be both. I think there's a yeah. lot of entrepreneurs that are artists that are that they that plays hand in hand. Um, you you had talked a little bit in in the green room as well about building community. How do you see all that fitting together um, and then monetizing what you're trying to do? Does community mm-hmm. fit into that to help the monetization, or does community help you to build a broader audience and find like-minded people that want to collaborate with you? I think it's both. I don't have a community that people pay to join, so. I'm not monetizing my community in that sense, but I I do have the sense that the more people that are following my work, there's a percentage of those that will be interested in purchasing my work. And so I think from that standpoint, yes, building a community does tie into your monetization. And I think, you know, not to say that I might not have some type of monetized community in the future, but with my goals of spreading letter writing and the art of it, I want it to be a little bit more egalitarian so that there are people, no matter where they're located in the world, who can learn from me and and develop this craft. And then for those that want to buy the things that I'm actually making um, that are more of a premium or a luxury option, there is an option for that as well. But letter writing is very unique in that it's about human connection. It's about us being with ourselves and really being kind of clear on how we feel and what we think and then expressing that to another person or maybe to multiple people depending on the type of letter that you're writing. And so I do feel like that aspect of letter writing is very unique to community building. I'm not part of a pen pal um, situation, but I know a lot of the people who follow my work are, and they, you know, write letters to each other, um, especially in the antique collecting space for wax seals. There's a lot of letters that go between collectors that have seals in them. And so I think, um, it's a little bit more kind of community minded anyway, to begin with as a hobby or an art. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's different ways that someone could monetize it. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Um, do, do you, just on a side subject, do you think that antique typewriters fit into this whole handwritten genre? They do. Yeah. I think it's a different type of person, maybe a subset within letter writing of people that are drawn to typewriters. I have a really beautiful Smith Corona. I think mine's from like the 1930s or so. I know my friend Malka, who's based out of Israel. She's a wonderful calligrapher. She has a typewriter too, so 
there are people that are in a space that's traditionally dominated by handwriting that also like using other tools like typewriters or computers to write as well. I think it also just kind of depends on the time period that someone's drawn to. So for me, my kind of sweet spot of collecting is around the 1820s. And at that time, pretty much everything was handwritten. And so for my style of letter writing, I gravitate more towards handwriting. I'm also a firm believer in the connection of our hands to our brains and the way that writing, you know, impacts our growth. So that's something we could talk about too, if you're interested in that. Um, But yeah, I think they do go together and it's just a question of kind of the aesthetic or the time period that someone's inspired by for what tool they'll gravitate towards for writing letters. Uh, When you wanted to, or when you got the idea of, hey, I I might be able to monetize this, how how did that work out? How did you decide I'm going to try to sell this or sell parts of this or what, what, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so I think it was Birchbox had a, entrepreneur contest where you could write them and say you wanted to start a business and then they would give you capital to start your business and I think that was around 2019 or so and I applied I didn't get it but having that seed planted of this is the business I'm going to start and here's how I'm going to do it it was almost like I couldn't not do it at that point and so I planned for about a year in 2019 leading into 2020 And then around March 2020, I started sharing my seals and letters, and it was not related to pandemic. It wasn't a decision, but it kind of coincided with the pandemic, and I think with a lot of people being stuck at home and or sanctuary at home, however you want to think about it, there was all of a sudden a a real need for people to have that space for themselves off of phones and computers and also a way for them to connect with others. Uh, and I, I feel like for entrepreneurs, day one is when you launch, no matter how much prep you do, you don't really know how people are going to respond to your idea until you put it out there. And so I've, I didn't know when I put it out if this was even going to work at all um, or who would be interested in it. And it did take a while for people to really see the value in it and kind of understand this history because it's such a kind of random and unique thing to take a historic object and make something new using it. It it is historic, but it's also new. Um, And you'd have to kind of have an interest in letter writing or history to have a penchant for my type of art. Um, So yeah, I think it's, you know, I had a whole plan, but I didn't really know until I started that it was going to be successful. And how is the plan working? It's going great. It's going really well. I have pivoted multiple times since I started. One thing that I learned is that if I want to really reach, you know, larger audiences at scale. So for instance, um, ultimately I'd like Catherine Hastings to have a lot more philanthropic work. I would love to have parts of the collection of seals in museums that would be open to the public to use. So imagine like your local museum might have a few Catherine Hastings pieces. Every month there's a docent that, you know, one day a month they'll be there with the wax and the seals and you can bring your letters and press them. I don't want these seals just to be, you know, sequestered in glass boxes where they can't be used. Um, I also want to have more letter writing in schools ultimately. And so 
um, one of the big pivots that's happened for me was realizing, okay, I can't get to that dream by doing everything by hand. This idea of pressing wax and then selling individual seals, there's no way for me to reach the financial success I would need to, to be able to give back in the ways that I want. And so that allowed me to see, okay, other types of products, other types of services, and pivoting into the bigger world of wax seals. Um, So as an example, when I started, I was designing all my own waxes but I wasn't selling them. They were just for my own use for things I would make. And then my customers said, well, well, we want those waxes too. So launch the waxes and then, okay, well, now I'm writing on this beautiful vellum that I have fan made and I love it. Well, everyone else wants the vellum too. So it kind of expands um, in physical products and then also courses. I think courses are really the kind of future. Um, I'll always have the historic objects and the waxes and stationery. I really like having kind of the physical art available to people, but also just being able to reach more people at scale through courses. Um, And so, yeah, it's going really well. It's not exactly what I thought it would be when I started because it's really been a learning process over the past three years of figuring out not just what I'm interested in, but what are my customers interested in and what, you know, how can I help them and support them? And tell us a little bit about how you're, selling it or is it i'm assuming there's you're you're using a website and do you have a physical location as well or how how does that how does that look it's through my website i don't have a physical location but everything that i've done through my site i've envisioned as if it's a physical location so just imagining you could you've wandered let's say the streets in a small italian town and it's warm out and you're exhausted and all of a sudden you go into this beautiful space with you know papers that have this kind of rich um, smells to them the, the scent of burnt wood and beautiful flowers and in there there's like every color wax you can imagine and all the writing tools and things that are coming from all over the world um, I really want that sense of kind of um, opulence and luxury even in the online store so it's all online but I always envision it as if someone is actually coming into the space Um, and then um, with that I am on my store is a a website that's run through Shopify and so then that links into different social media as well so I have some on Instagram Um, I'm actually updating that right now so hopefully there'll be a, a larger storefront there Interesting. Yeah, I have an Instagram um, initiative right now where I put I, I have Jack Russell Terriers that are paint, uh-huh. painted by famous artists and I have Da Vinci and uh, French or anyways, a bunch of nonsensical paintings that yeah. and in the very beginning I use Midjourney. So in the very beginning, people were actually fooled. They said, oh, I think that 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 breed actually predates the or postdates the, the artist. But it's for me. It's a creative outlet, right? And I, I yeah. think you know. When in the very beginning, you said something about you. You're an entrepreneur or you're an artist. I do feel like that you can be both. And how, like, as an entrepreneur, I don't think, like, my goal as an entrepreneur isn't my my ultimate goal isn't to make money. That's like a byproduct of of yeah. hopefully being successful in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that you're having a lot more fun in life. You're having more fun in life if you're doing what you love to do, right? Rather than yeah. 
putting the focus on on making money. That's not to say that money isn't you know isn't an important part of getting through our lives, but a lot of times if you're if you have so much passion that um, that the money will follow because it because it's a fantastic idea or it's a great idea and like in your case it's a niche idea that not a lot of people are doing and I think uh, that that's important from a from a um, from a marketing side uh, you 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 obviously have some of the marketing chops for yourself right uh, yeah. how how have you played that out to help promote your brand yeah um, well yeah just to clarify so I don't think it's either you're an artist or an entrepreneur but I think if you are both you need to kind of know what are you prioritizing. And so for me, I am both and I'm successful in both, but I prioritize the artist. So sometimes the entrepreneur will be like, well, you could make so much more money if you did this. And as the artist, I'm like, yeah, but my intention is this other thing. And maybe it's a slower build or whatever it might be. Uh, Yeah, I definitely think you can be both. On the marketing side, I'm just really passionate about people connecting with the things that they're interested in. And I love just constantly learning and really understanding how whatever we're learning can help us live better lives. And so for me, when I'm looking at some obscure letter from history or even a wax color that to me symbolizes a particular mood or a particular place, I think it's kind of always about the story of well, what can this teach me? What can, how can I use this to make my life or someone else's life more interesting or help them see beauty better? And so I think that natural, you know, direction towards learning and teaching and storytelling feeds really well into marketing because I just have a lot to say and I think people are curious about it too. And so um, I have obviously my Instagram where I share my artwork and I, I teach about antique seals. I teach about letter writing. Um, I, you know, show a lot of techniques of how to do it, but I also have a weekly podcast about letter writing. It teaches a lot of the kind of how to's of letter writing, but also just goes into really interesting topics from history and looking at them through the perspective of letters. So for instance, looking at Mary queen of Scots last letter, what, what did she write before she was executed? And, what was she thinking about? Um, how how did she fold the paper even? They have these really interesting folds. Why did they do that? How can we learn to fold? So uh, I'm always kind of looking at what what's interesting from history and the tradition. How can we make it our own? Because there are certain things in history that are kind of like, yeah, we're done with that. We don't, we don't need to do that anymore. Um, and then every Sunday I have a newsletter called the Epistolarian. Epistolarian means the letter writer that comes out. And it has threads from things of that week, but also just contemplating a particular idea and how we can use it to live a life that's more connected to the people we love and to ourselves. Um, And so even though I think a marketer would say, yes, you should do a podcast and you should do a newsletter and you should be active on social media every day. It's like, yeah, of course. But it's like there's a message and I have to tell it. And so it's also kind of like, I don't know which one comes first, if it is the marketer, if it's the artist wanting to share, but they kind of work really well together. Um, I will say learning on the entrepreneurial side, I have to remember to actually ask people to buy things. I often forget that. I'll be like, oh, here's this cool story, and I'll put together a whole email, and it's been like 10 hours of work. And then it's like, oh, wait, I didn't actually ask people to like 
buy the wax that I'm selling or to take the course. Um, and so that's very much a learning skill for me. Like I have, to, I have to learn to ask for the sale, even though I'm comfortable asking, I just forget a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, if you do, you so in your courses, do you have any advice for somebody that has just horrible handwriting like me? Uh, yeah. I may, maybe in full confession, you know, when I was in college or high school, I did calligraphy, and you know, I I, I was very neat and meticulous, and maybe it's because we're used to computers now uh, yeah. that I'm maybe I'm speeding through my handwriting, and it's just gibberish that I write down for mental sake, right? Because there's that connection yeah. between your brain to make those two things happen. Yeah. Well, I'd say first and foremost, I think because we learned handwriting and it, they took it out of schools for a while, like cursive they took out and a lot of schools are actually adding it back because they see that it affects our brain development. So it's actually really important to write in, in cursive, even if you're not using it as an adult, it's a great way to learn. But we get a sense of this is how a character should be drawn when we're kids, right? Like this is the right way to write an A or this is the right way to write a B. And I think that does us a disservice because re realistically, when you look at handwriting, everybody has a different way to write an A and a B, right? There's no two that are the same. And really what our handwriting is, is like a fingerprint. It is a unique signifier of who we are and our our values, the way we are in the world. There's a lot you can see when you're looking at handwriting. Um, if you want to hold yours up, actually, I can tell you some about what yours says. Okay, so um, upright handwriting, very steady um, emotionally. So you're not going to like hold yourself back emotionally, but you're also like not going to like lean in or share too much. You're like very even keel. You can kind of go with what you need to go. The size of the writing, like bigger handwriting, that's a sign of extroversion. Smaller handwriting is a sign of introversion. Um, and yours is print, but for people that do um, cursive, looking at how the letters connect with themselves, like if you have a Y, and one of the things they'll say is if your Y just stops, that that sometimes can show a lack of follow through. Like literally you're not following through. So if you're wanting to make a transition where you're doing more follow through in your life, you can actually just start looping your whys. And over time, it works on your brain. Um, Elaine Charles, who's a handwriting analyst, she says that it's not handwriting, it's brain writing. It's literally your brain making those shapes and your hands connected to it, but it's starting in the brain. So there's kind of this two way from the handwriting back into your brain. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, computers definitely have our, us not writing by hand as much, but I would love everyone to just love their handwriting as it is because there are things that are unique about us that our handwriting shows and we're not needing to be like everyone else. Um, and I think it's great actually that you moved away from a style that is a little bit too controlled and like perfect. Um, because that's not the way life is, right? We're always in kind of flow with life and as much as we try to control and be perfect and have everything look great, the experience of that is not as good as just like, well, this is what it looks like, this is who I am, right? So I, I and th now that you're mentioning it, I'm like, oh, I should do a free course on handwriting and teach everyone why we should they should love their handwriting and if they want to improve it, what to do. Um, 
but yeah, I do think it's an important thing for our brains and it can be very relaxing too, just to practice strokes and, and, um, give yourself time to, to move your hand in a way that's not just like typing. Yeah. I find in large group settings, I'll, I can take notes on my computer, but in, in one-on-ones, I hate to use a computer because you feel like you're taking some, uh, you're taking something away from the person you're talking to, where if you're just taking handwritten notes, it's sort of as you're going along, right? It's yeah. uh, it. I mean, that's notes and and writing letters. I think the complaint for me writing letters is that people can't read my handwriting, so I need to learn to slow down, right? I'm always in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember who it was though. There was some famous author from history, and he wrote a love letter to someone, and basically said, "I love how you know cryptic your handwriting is because it allows me." hours to pour over your words and decipher what you've written. Um, I thought it was like such a sweet way to talk about someone with bad handwriting. Um, my father-in-law, I wouldn't say it's bad handwriting, but it is hard to read. And I, I love getting cards and letters from him. So when I get it, that's kind of, it is, it's like delays the amount of time to finish the letter, which can be really nice if it is a letter from someone that you love. Um, so yeah, I would I would let yourself off the hook and just let your writing be what it is. Do you think that this? Uh, I mean, uh, there's a number of services now that will send a handwritten note that's done by a computer, you know, a robot handwritten note. Um, yeah. There's and I've had a number of them on my podcast. But do you think that's that's adding to this idea of handwriting, or do you think that's detracting from handwriting? I don't know. I I don't think it's adding to handwriting. I think it's probably adding to beauty and correspondence of, okay, you don't need to have something typed. Um, a lot of it can be gimmicky though, right? Like the ones that I get like that are a realtor that wants to buy my house and sell it. And maybe it's because I'm in Seattle and the, you know it's very much <laughs> a, a seller's market here. But I get lots of fake handwritten notes from real estate agencies and it's meant to make me think, oh, this person genuinely wants to help me when actually at scale, they're churning something out. So I think in that sense, it's like very effective for that business, but it lacks the thing that's I think is the coolest about handwriting, which is authenticity, right? With everyone's handwriting being different, even just day to day, how you're feeling your handwriting might be different. I don't know if you noticed that, that like some days you might have more like kind of measured handwriting, some it might be more slanted, mine changes all the time. I just wouldn't want us to get to a point where we lose that. But I, yeah, I don't think it necessarily hurts. I just think it has kind of a different aim than actually writing something by hand. What's what's next on your, uh, you've, you've talked a few times about building out courses. Do you yeah. have that formalized already and are you offering courses? Yeah, so I have one free course right now, which is on wax seals and it can be for anyone so you don't have to have antiques to take that class I teach you the basics of everything you need to know to make the perfect wax seal and then in July I have one coming out that's specific to antiques and that one is more from me a perspective of stewardship I'm wanting for anyone that owns these antiques to have the resources to care for them so even though that's something I probably could charge for I do want to make sure it's available The paid courses are coming in July. The first is a course on marbling. 
So it's kind of a niche area of wax seals. It's about how to take all different colors of wax and make really beautiful seals with them. So literally marbling the wax. Uh, there will be more probably coming out around fall on letter writing itself. Um, so having a comprehensive course on letter writing, even just tools to help people write difficult letters. So for instance, when somebody passes away and you need to write a condolence card or a condolence letter, where do you go, right? Everyone goes to Google and then they write the same five things as everyone else. And the person who's grieving then gets the same letter that's supposed to be heartfelt and it's not. Um, or the right thank you note or a love letter, all of that. So there will be um, later this year more that's specific to letter writing, but the ones that are available now and coming in July are all specific to wax seals. Interesting. Okay, so last question just on the on the writing notes uh, and AI. Um, you can ask ChatGPT to write you a thank you note, and sometimes it comes up with this huge, nicely written letter how, and then if I were to re just handwrite that out, do you think that's a, a fair thing? Um, depends on the person that you're writing, right? And I would think you'd want to think about how do they feel about it? Um, would they want something that's AI generated? I think GPT, ChatGPT and other AI like Jasper AI are amazing tools for letter writing, but they're a tool. They're not the whole thing of letter writing. So I'd say if you're wanting to use ChatGPT or another AI to write your letters, I would use it almost like a trusted friend and talk to it and say, hey, I'm writing a letter to my friend Brent. I wanna thank him for having me on the podcast. I wanna tell him that I really liked these specific questions he asked. I want to you know, remind him of how much my audience is going to love hearing this podcast and discovering his podcast. And then, you know, boom, what does it say? Okay, now does this sound like me or not? Okay, so then you could tell it, well, make it sound um, a little less pedantic or make it a little bit shorter. And then you might take what it has and, and put that in your letter or you might say, okay, I'm just going to start writing my letter, but mm, the way it's phrased this way, I really like that. Um, another way to do that is to draft your whole letter without ChatGPT, do it in a Word doc, and then paste it into ChatGPT and say, make this better and see the edits that it comes back with. Um, so using it more like a trusted friend that helps you as you write or as someone that edits. I do think, though, there is a sense of kind of generosity and showing your imperfections as a writer, particularly in letters. So when I write letters, I often will make spelling mistakes that are like pretty basic. I don't know, like the IE rule. I always have a hard time with that. Like so stupid. I shouldn't. Um, but rather than needing to show someone I'm perfect at spelling and I'm not, I just leave it and cross it out and write out what I need to write. And that's a gift it because I'm showing them my thought process. I'm showing them my imperfections. And so I think, um, you know, AI does have a way to make us more efficient. And actually, in some ways, it can make us more thoughtful. But just knowing when to use the tool and when not to is important. Um, and again, just also thinking about the person that you're writing, always start with what would they want to receive? And what would I want to share with them? How do you use a tool like GPT to do that better? I think it's great. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on the making it, or, or not even making it better, because it's it does give you a, a way of brainstorming some things. And 
I can share my experience um, that I'm on a board and um, I sometimes I'm short and terse in my email correspondence. I, I just yeah. know what I want to get it. I don't think I need to use a whole bunch of words. Yeah. And our executive director said, because uh, somebody wasn't responding, he said, Brent, you could just be nicer in your emails. You're just sending and you're saying, hey, can you do yeah. this or whatever. And so, yeah, I, I'll be honest, there was my very first, uh, I just attempted it. I said, hey, can take this and can you just lengthen it? Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, Brent, that is such a nice email. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and all I did was say, hey, can you expand on this a little bit? And of yeah. course, I do. I do take out the. That's funny. Stuff yeah, that's you and I are on opposite sides because, like, you could put friendlier, but mine, I'm always like, make it shorter, make it more Spartan. Um, my sister, who's a, <laughs> a business consultant, she she likes make it spicier, and I guess that makes it like more um, rich. Uh, she also say uh, make it more visual, um, oh, and then it puts in better words. So, yeah, those are little things that I think with. GPT, like kind of understanding. The other thing you can do is take a sample of your writing and say, explain the tone of this writing. So mm -hmm. you could take, you know, a few of your emails, put them in, and it might say like your tone is kind of Spartan, but then you know, okay, write something in a style that's somewhat Spartan, but friendly, um, and then get get that. But I, I don't know. I think we're still such at a, a nascent stage with the technology that it's not really clear <laughs> how it's going to change everything. Uh, even just I was on the phone last week and someone said, well, for all I know, you could be an AI bot. And I was like, well, yeah, they're right. I don't really know how to prove <laughs> that I'm not. Um, and even with something that's handwritten, it's harder to tell now. There's machines that write in handwriting and there's people that draft in AI and then write it by hand. So how do you know? Yeah, how do you know? And and those machines have have actual pressure. So the pen, it is using a real pen. Yeah. So it has pressure and it looks like there's a real person that wrote it. Um, Kay, we have a few minutes left, and, and as I close out every podcast, I give my guests an opportunity to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like. Yeah. Uh, what would you like to plug today? Letter writing. If you want to learn letter writing from me, definitely subscribe to The Epistolarian. I don't spam you. It's a beautifully written newsletter that comes out every week, and it has a lot of really practical tools. If you want to learn wax seals, there's a free course that you can take on my website. But I'd say more than anything, just think of a person that you want to write a letter to. Block your calendar for 15 or 20 minutes today. Sit down, take pen to paper. It doesn't need to be fancy. And just share what you're thinking about. Um, and then be sure, step two, to actually put it in the mail. I feel like it is one of the most powerful things we can do to be with ourselves and with others. And I guarantee you, it'll deepen your relationship with the person that you send it to. That's awesome, and, and I can say that I'm old enough to that when we sent out our wedding invitations, we did have a wax seal that we oh, stamped on every job. single. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe I want to go home and try to find it now. It's I, I have an idea where it's at, but uh, <laughs> oh, go back and neat. look at it. <laughs> it's it's beautiful, and you know I know we're at time, but just when you think about a momentous occasion like a wedding. A seal is a symbol that's sealing something. So you're literally saying, like, this is who we are in the world. We are a new family, and this is what we stand for. And you're kind of sealing it all with blessings. So I feel like it's the most frivolous and also the most important part of an invitation. Yep, agree. Kay, okay. it's been such a pleasure, and I wish we had some more time. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much of for course. being here today. 
Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com. Quality of